This is Hello, this is Sam Elliott. You're listening to the Metal Nerdery Podcast. Listen to Bill, Adam, and Matt. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Metal Nerdery Podcast. You can follow along with the show at metalnerdery.com slash episodes. Like us, share us with your family and friends. This is Sam Elliott, and you're listening to the Metal Nerdery Podcast. That's totally killer, y'all. Welcome yeah. back to our hot little show. Hi. Sorry, I'm recovering Sound a little from ill SARS. Sound a little ill there, Sam. Well, you know, it's been a long week. I had a lot of phlegm drip down into my throat, and it gets kind of deep and sexy and velvety. And it's the only asset of heaven. Well, I just appreciate gold. you coming on. I, a lot of people probably don't know you're a, a metalhead. So. Oh, man, I've been in the metal since I did the Lebowski flick years ago, <laughs> man. I just like to... Anyway, y'all are talking about one of my favorites today. That would be uh, Iron Maiden. Is that right? That would be the Iron Maiden. Woe to you, O Earth and Sea. The number of the beast. This is Matt, and I know I sound amazingly like Geoff Tate and Sam Elliott, but the reason is because of Flem. <coughs> wasn't there a band called Flem? I don't know. Should yeah, be. man, they were like... Should be if they, were, if they wasn't. Dude, they were like Lungcore, man. They were like really big into <laughs> Your show was like watching Gallagher, man. It was crazy. Just mucus everywhere. Mucus. Did I have to bring your poncho? <laughs> People were throwing mucinexes at each other. <laughs> Trying to demucusify. All right. Well, anyway, uh, we're going to talk about kind of the album that I guess sort of launched Maiden. You know, they had the two early albums, which absolutely nothing wrong with them. Great albums, but... But yeah, Number of the Beast is like a whole nother level. Adding Bruce to the mix and... Adrian. Adrian. I mean, I just totally... The first two are great, and I'm not knocking Paul Diano, but when yeah, Bruce joined our Maiden, that's when Maiden, as we know it, was born to me. And I remember, different see, sound. I remember seeing that album cover in record stores as a kid. I was probably 10, freaking the fuck out, because I was like... Dude, that guy's bigger than the devil, you know. It's the SOD little thing that they did a few years ago called that. The SOD did an album called Bigger Than the Devil, which was kind of a take on that. It had like Sergeant D like standing over the devil, kind of uh, like the number of the beast thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, this was this was the first album with Bruce and uh Adrian, I think, the last with Clive Burr before Nico came in. And just the imagery, that cover art. It's just that's one of the most badass album covers in metal, I think, hands down. Well, I read that I think this album cover was originally supposed to be a uh, the cover of a single that they were going to release, and uh, the manager brought was it Rod Smallwood? Rod Smallwood, yeah. Nice. Uh, we had a message for Rod. <laughs> <This> poor guy. <laughs> he uh, he was like, "No, nah, this is this is like too kick ass. You know, this is like album cover material." So that was going to be like a single album yeah. cover or a single cover? Uh, cover for a single. There we go. There Thank you. Go. Different words. Soft intro. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was the uh, first Maiden album to uh, reach number one on the UK charts there. Oh, wow. 
and it hit the top 40 in the U.S., Billboard 200. That was such a different album for them, too, because they, like with the Diano stuff, they had, they always had, Maiden's always had that extra progressive, almost in some cases, I don't want to say symphonic, but they've always had that more musicality to them where they're playing like more orchestrated kind of stuff. And bit, and Bruce joining was sort of like the final piece of the puzzle that really made Iron Maiden Iron Maiden. And I think on that album, on Number of the Beast, it, it really kind of comes into form perfectly because it's like every song has that progressive kind of darker thing going. But then that whole album, it's like a classic album, like Back in Black. It literally is like an experience. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, you put that on and you're transported to... Not shag carpets and wood panel walls, but I don't know. Maybe hell, where the beast lives. It puts me back to when I was a kid. Yeah, absolutely. You know, kind of reignites the uh, the metal fire, so yeah, to speak. You big know, time. I mean? yeah, kind of gets you pumped up. I remember yeah. hearing the flange and the number of the beast, the title track, like when it kicked in. Before I knew what flange was, and it was like creepy because I'm like, oh man. Did the tape do that on its own, or is it supposed to do that? Like I could, I didn't know it was new to me, like the sound effects on music and stuff. And but on that song, when it did that, it was just it added this kind of eeriness to it. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, right. supposedly they uh, recorded and mixed the whole album in five weeks. Wow, that's an impressive uh, track. Evidently, there was weird phenomenon going on in the studio. Oh, really? Lights going on and off, recording gear breaking down, different stuff like that. Evidently, the uh, producer had a car accident with a bus and a group of nuns. That's a little creepy. Kind of like Sam Kennison. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's creepy, though, to think that that album had all those dark things happen to it. That's kind of silly, if you ask me. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, supposedly, the... Uh, the repair, the repair bill for him hitting that uh, bus was 666 pounds. Really? Salt. There you go. I know I've gone into stores before and gotten stuff and it's rang up at like $6.66. And the cashier will look at me like, do you want something else? I'm like, nope. No, I, I, <laughs> I want like, the receipt, please. <laughs> I'd like you to print out the receipt and ink it in your blood and hand it to me. Thank you. It's just funny because they're like, I love they're like, they're like Shirley, squirm. he's going to buy something else. I'm like, I'm not going to buy no, something no, else. No, no, this is good. I'm good. And don't ever call me Shirley again. That's right. That's Satan to you, fucker. <laughs> I love watching it because it makes people so uncomfortable. Too. They'll like look at you like, they don't even want to say it. It's a number. Six, Come on. 66, please. It's a number. Shut up. That's <laughs> when you kind of look at them and give them a little yeah. scary look. Yeah, right? here you go. <laughs> cover was originally created for the song Purgatory. Yeah, much better choice to use it for the album. Yeah, and like you said earlier, the uh, original pressing had the wrong color sky in the background. So, Yeah, it was blue, which I, I thought was still a cool cover, but it was like, well, hell, it's like a happy tropical place. I want to go there and have pina coladas. <laughs> With the devil. Well, and Eddie, if he's going to be there, I'm a bigger fan of his. But that's crazy. They didn't get it fixed until 1998. Really? When they uh, remastered it. I'm surprised they weren't pissed about it. I mean, how hard is it to change the color on a printer? <laughs> That's rhetorical. It's easy. Yeah, there's other things to worry about. You know, the devil and stuff like that. <laughs> the devil might have infiltrated it. You never know. 
<laughs> yeah, it was like a blue sky. I was way too happy for the Numa of the Beast. I guess his voice is perfect for this episode. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. I'll be ready. When we get to the tracks and we get to the title track, I'll I'll be ready. Here's your SOD reference. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the cover art has been parodied several times by crossover thrash bands from Troopers of Death for the cover of their 1999 album, Bigger Than the Devil, and on a t-shirt by a streetwear brand, Diamond Supply Company. Never heard of them boys. And now, moment of silence. Uh, I just think it's funny. It was the early 80s, so, uh, you know, people were freaking out, thought they were satanic. Oh, Jesus. People freaked the fuck out about Satan in the 80s. Yeah. That actually is what made metal so intriguing is the fact that I literally believed even some people very close to me that were like, man, the devil's in that stuff. I'm like, really? No. <laughs> Are you sure about that? I mean, it is pretty <laughs> cool. So, I mean, I could see it, but really? But uh, the people were burning the records. And there were some people that started smashing them with hammers because they didn't want to burn, uh, inhale the fumes from burning them. Oh, you can't smoke the devil. I people. remember, dig uh, this. I heard some do, do, goofy story somebody was talking about. about It, it might have been this album. And that they tried to, they had the actual album, the vinyl album, and they were going to try it. They were trying to like fold it in half and smash it. But the devil somehow wouldn't let him smash it. <laughs> And then they had to do something like they like smashed it against the table and it broke into pieces. It was something goofy, but I, I kept hearing about it like in wonder. I'm like, holy shit, if I can conjure the devil with heavy metal, I'm going to go home and do some Harry Potter shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fucking do it because I want to understand. I'm sure God will forgive me, so it'll be cool. But yeah, I want to try that. I mean, it made it that much more attractive. And yeah, the funny thing I mean, is, not to go off on a tangent, but... The whole PMRC added to that, too. Well, I mean... Wasn't this on their list? Yeah, like we were talking about, all, all of that hoopla around it. It went platinum in the U.S., the U.K., triple platinum in Canada. Went gold in Austria, Germany, Italy. 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 Italy, Italy and oh, uh, Switzerland. Saying <laughs> the pasta there is killer. Yeah, I got to tell you guys, Sam's right. The pasta in Italy is really, really good. Sorry. Hey, guys, it's Millie. You're listening to the Metal Nerdery Podcast album dive, Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden. All right, back to you guys. I gotta go uh, take just some on, a, on a side note, Millie, I just thought you'd like to know on the way to band practice the other night, Tommy and I were listening to uh, Creator. Uh, thank you so much, Adam. I really appreciate it. By the way, I, I want to tell you guys, we're going to be playing the, uh, the, the Lobster Tank at Red Lobster on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we got an open bar. Uh, try not to order anything really expensive. Come see us. Do you be playing in front of the lobster tank or in the lobster tank? No, we're, we're going to be in it. We're, we're going to be like on flotation devices and stuff. So hopefully we don't get electrocuted, but it's, it's exciting. There's going to be a light show. Good luck with that. <laughs> Might want to wear your, wear your steel toes. You don't want them getting your little <laughs> pinky toes there. The claws. I'll be clawed. <laughs> I, th I think with that album, like with so many firsts of its kind, of course, not that that was the first Maiden album, but it was the first Bruce album, but. That sort of, I think that shot them into like a whole nother stratosphere of accessibility and popularity. Oh, yeah. It was prime time, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, that yeah, was the 80, explosion yeah, of the scene. All of that was emerging. 83, was it? 82. 82, 82 yeah. yeah. But that whole prime scene time. was starting to blow, 
blow up. I mean, Metallica got together in 81. I think Slayer did in 81 or 82. So, I mean, all that stuff was starting to come to a head like a great big blister that just needed to be. Now, what I could, uh, from different things I saw, it was basically the third best-selling metal album that year. Really? Behind, well, you know, this. what I was looking at had Van Halen as metal, so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Van Halen, Diver Down, and Judas Priest, Screaming for Vengeance were one and two. Wow. Uh, Maiden was right there, which isn't bad because, you know, Priest Priest had been around a a pretty good while longer. Yeah. Van Halen at that point had been around for only just a few years, I guess, right? Yeah, but they were huge. Oh, yeah, I mean, they were big then, too. That was... (laughs) They were quite, quite big. But that's a good company to keep, though. Like, those three metal albums that year, it was a good year for metal. Indeed. Yeah. That album ranked uh, number one on HMV's Best British Albums of the Past 60 Years. Of course it did. Number two on the Metal Rules list of top metal albums. And for what it's worth, number four in Rolling Stone's 100 Greatest Metal Albums. Number four? Mm, As long as I know what one, two, and three are, that's fine. (laughs) Uh, yeah. And if Nirvana's on that list, I'm going to be super pissed, but we're not going to diverge from that. <laughs> Sorry. See past episode. <sighs> Beer is what's for breakfast. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. When did you first hear Number of the Beast that you could remember? I remember hearing it on the fucking radio. On the radio? 96 Rock, No, yes. I didn't hear it on the radio. Girl, you tripping. <laughs> maybe not Maybe not that, but I remember hearing like stuff from that. I think they played, I feel like they played the title track. I'm sure they played Run to the Hills, because I remember hearing that on the radio. But I feel like one night, late at night or something, they would play like stuff that was off the beaten path, and I swear to God, they played Number of the Beast. First time I heard it was the kid that lived behind me, his brother had the tape. And, you know, looking at the tape, looking at the cover, and then and then he was playing it in the background. I was like, oh, I need to have this. Yeah, I need to own this. <laughs> what is this? Necesito. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I, I probably discovered it on MTV or something, because when I first started listening to metal, I didn't really know anybody else that listened to it. So it was pretty much MTV, I guess. Well, the, at first, they had the heavy metal half hour. That was like before Headbangers Ball. Wasn't that like on like the local station, like Channel No, that was, that, was, that was MTV. That was yeah, that was downtown Julie Brown. Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I felt like that was kind of I don't know. I, it just it seemed weird to me for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, it was thirty minutes of metal videos. I I gobbled it up. I mean, it was <laughs> it was usually uh, docking or something, but you know, still metal, man. Right. Pardon me. Yeah, I thought that was they first started Headbangers Ball, man. That was like oh, yeah. it was like finally. <laughs> yes. Finally we have some salvation on the airwaves. I just remember Headbanger, I know it's kind of diving off topic, but remember we'd like get together at somebody's house on Friday nights or Saturday when do, was it Friday night or Saturday? It was Fridays after Friday. going to the mall and either handing yeah. out flyers or we'd, uh, getting flyers from other people. We'd congregate at somebody's house and watch Headbangers Ball. You know, yeah. it was like that was the plan. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have cable, so I was shit. Neither. I always gathered at people's houses right. and had cable. Yeah. Adam, <clears throat> <laughs> it was like it was great at first, and then when you kind of started diving into heavier stuff, you didn't. Some, you know, you'd have to like sit through the warrant video and yeah, Trickster. Yeah, yeah. Of course, there was never usually 
you know, lots of girls there. So it was kind of like, oh, man, this sucks. You could be in late right now. Oh, well, whatever. Waiting to, waiting to get to a Maiden or a Grim Reaper video. Grim Reaper. <laughs> Rock you to hell. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw that video, man. <laughs> Can't even scream that eye. Ridiculous. <laughs> Go check out the video to rock you to hell. We may have to just put it on the website. <laughs> classic. Yeah, definitely classic. So, uh, so yeah, anyway, like we said, this was the uh, first album with Bruce. Excellent one. Uh, you got Dave Murray on guitars, which, if I'm correct, he's the only other member, along with Steve Harris, who's played on every single Iron Maiden album. Wow, yep. so he's been there from the beginning. Uh, Adrian Smith came in on this album. Him and Dave had been in a band earlier called Urchin. They make for a great twin guitar attack. Absolutely, you can you can yeah, tell because the it, best. Yeah, the chemistry on the guitar is just like skyrocketed. That's man. one of the best like, combinations, those two. And it's just we'll get in, we'll get into that more when we get into the songs. But the interplay that that's a beautiful thing when you hear that kind of musical chemistry, and it's just like fuck, that's badass. Yep. And uh, old Steve Harris on bass, and Clive Burr's last album on drums. I thought Clive had an interesting style relative to Nico. It was like a little more swingy, maybe. Swingy. I mean, Nico's was kind of more like a powerhouse, sort of full steam ahead. He could still do the subtle stuff, too, but Cl- Clive Burr just seemed to have more like a, almost kind of a swing to the way he played. So you're yeah, nodding yeah, your head, yeah. so you obviously agree. Evidently, bad or indifferent. It, just, it was just a vibe about that album, and it kind of gave it that attitude. Well, especially a uh, gangland. Yeah, intro on that. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Supposedly, Clive Burr and Nico were friends. Like emphasis on were were yeah, because evidently after the change, Nico wasn't really looking to get in. It just whatever happened happened, and <clears throat> evidently Clive Burr didn't talk to Nico for many years. Oh wow. <laughs> His feelings caught So yeah. So then you got uh, Martin Birch producing. He's produced their stuff forever, I think. He started he started with them on Killers. Okay, so basically forever. And he had worked with a lot of bands previously. I got some info down here, but he'd worked with a bunch of bands previously and then he kinda when he started working with Maiden, he he was just exclusively Maiden. Like everything. He even did oh, Love After cool. Death, I think. Yeah, he did everything from Killers up to Fear of the Dark. Oh, that's cool. And then after Fear of the Dark, he retired. Mm. But uh, yeah, he he worked with Jeff Beck, Fleetwood Mac, Deep Purple. Wow. John Lord from a lot of Deep Purple ties here. Connection. John Lord, Rainbow, White Snake, Black Sabbath, Blue Oyster Cult, Gary Moore, Cozy Powell. You know, there's a uh, video floating around on the interwebs of. Uh, Bruce actually doing the vocals for Deep Purple's uh, Knocking at Your Back Door. I hadn't heard that. It, no, not Knocking at Your Back Door. It's, um, oh shit, what was that album? Was it Perfect Strangers? Yeah. And Dream Theater's playing like the music, and then Bruce Dickinson's doing the vocals. Hmm. But it's a really cool version. I heard of that. Tune. I think it's Perfect Stranger. Yeah, Perfect Strangers. So yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. Then the uh, second engineer, Nigel Hewitt-Green. Nigel, an exquisite British name. 
He was Hello, the uh, my name is Nigel, and I produce Iron Man. <laughs> he was the chief engineer at that studio, which I forgot to mention because he's Nigel. Yeah, recorded at Battery Studios, London, England. Released March twenty second, nineteen eighty two. I am Nigel. I'm the battery. I was, that runs I was seven years studios. old. I was nine. <laughs> I was Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel, can you just <laughs> I was almost ten. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, yeah, Nigel Hewitt Green, yeah, pretty eclectic range of stuff he worked with. The Cure, Def Leppard, ACDC, Houdini. Oh, I remember that. Rap days. Flock of Seagulls. The Cars. <laughs> the Cars. You remember, I'd forgot all about this band, Zodiac Mind Warp. I remember, remember like that? the phenomenon, but I don't really remember the music. Nothing there. <laughs> no, the- I saw like a picture. I think we're gonna. I think we're no. We're gonna do a break here. We're gonna have to take a look at that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I also work with the Scorpions. Scorpions. Lillian X. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even laugh. Right. Uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Uh, Dio Testament. Brian Adams, Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, and Enough's Enough. All right. Way more metal than Lillian X. <laughs> Sorry. Britney Spears? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Wasn't Lillian X like a bunch of chicken rockers or something? No, I think those. Or was it dudes? I think it was dudes. I mean, I know it was the 80s and it was hair dudes. metal. But, <laughs> hey, man, was it chicks or was it dudes? <laughs> 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 probably named it after his girlfriend. <laughs> That's probably what happened. No, they look like dudes. <laughs> they look like dudes well, that get talking. That's, that's to be. Well, uh, that's why I said looks. Right. They all look like maybe they have the same girlfriend named Lillian. And she said, "Hey, man, you should call this band this." Sure, that's not Vinnie Paul on the right without a beard. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> and Adam has secured his seat in hell. Wow! <laughs> Sorry, man. It's a Sorry. great shot. No, that that was uh, that was pretty awesome. Looks like a transgender <laughs> Duff McKagan over there on the left. <laughs> I think you're gonna have to post that pic somewhere or a link. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, a Duff there. It's like a Duff. All I can say is I'm glad that I never got into that realm of like trying to be in a band like that. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I don't know what realm they live in. I've, I I've listened to some interviews with people talk about, you know, like you're got to put on a big show and they just don't understand how guys can go up there in t-shirts and jeans, you know, and just play. And, mm-hmm. But I'm like, that's what I always did. And it worked just fine. I don't, I mean, I don't, I can't poop. Well, I don't have any hair anymore, but yeah. I'm not gonna put on some shiny shirt and some bandanas, and no. that's just it's not me. That was the time, though. Yeah. But I would put moose in my hair, even though there's no hair to apply the moose to. Even Maiden was doing it. Oh yeah, they had the yeah. the spandex years. Yeah, yeah. But they were metal enough to pull it off without a hitch, so it was fine. Right. I just choose to ignore that. Yeah. <laughs> the music spoke for itself. And then you had Derek Riggs doing the album cover. He did, pretty he did much all of, of the work, classic albums. Yeah. Although I think he worked on everything up to Fear of the Dark also. I bet he made a pretty penny off of that. That's probably the crown achievement of his career. Is yeah, there, he, uh, is there a new drawer now? Drawer. Drawer. Yeah, they've used like I think they they use different people now. Oh, different okay. pe- different drawers to do different <laughs> drawings. Drawings. Hey, stand in my drawers. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of my drawers. Can I show you my drawings? 
supposedly. 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 Sure. Uh, it was originally a uh, it was going to be the cover of a punk album. Eddie didn't have long hair, and uh, Maiden's management came across it. To see if he would put long hair on it, make it more metal, and uh, so that's what became. Uh, yeah, the first Iron Maiden album cover. God bless him for that. Yeah, that's a killer. Yeah, it's got to be one of the best ones ever. That's one of the most recognizable. Yeah, timeless characters slash pieces of art ever i mean yeah. that that's a you show that to just about anybody in the world that's familiar with our maiden and they're gonna know what that is they'll know about it i read read something about it uh, da, 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 where is it so much information to be found on the interwebs yeah the uh the painting was originally called electric matthew says hello yeah it was you man hey everybody <clears throat> This is Sam Elliott speaking on behalf of Electric Matthew, but he wanted me to tell you. He just wants to say hello. All right, back to those guys. <laughs> and the moment's I had, ruined. I had no idea we were going to have Sam Elliott, Sam Elliott in the house tonight. So uh, sometimes, kind of sometimes there's some shockers here on Metal Nerdery. You never know Sam, who you're going to get. Yeah. Sam Elliott. Just never know. I guess he is a little ill today, right? Yeah, maybe a little bit, but, you know, he, he's pitching. Hey, I'm going to go hang out with Millie and get some pasta. I'll be back in a little bit. All right, dude. Thanks, Sam. Uh, yeah, he did some uh, album covers, uh, Solo Bruce stuff, Budgie. Chris. Obviously not with the uh, Eddie character art. Uh, no. <laughs> That'd be fucking weird. Could you imagine buying a fucking, like, a Elton John album with a Eddie on it? It'd be different. That would be different. Did some album artwork for Chris Impilitary. You remember him? Mm-hmm. Shredder in the 80s. Gamma Ray, Stradivarius, the uh, the female Iron Maiden band, the Iron Maidens. They're like a cover band? Or? Yeah, they're actually pretty damn good. Are they European or American? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, I'm just curious. Does it matter? I don't know. <laughs> European girls Maiden. are different. Yeah, right. European people like metal differently than American people. Uh, I think so, uh, maybe talk about some songs here. Yeah, let's dig into the tracks. Yeah, we'll play a little bit of the oh, yeah. Invaders. So yeah, I mean, you open out right out of the gate with uh, Invaders. Yeah, like hit the gas pedal. Here it comes in your face. Good. You hear that swinginess in the drums? Listen, the production just still stands up, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, musically, that song's very impressive as an opener because, I mean, like the bass is doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean, everything, everything's moving, you know what I mean? It's just, it's very it's like dynamic. It's motion. It's got dynamics. Yeah, that was a big, that was a big change from Paul Diano. Oh, big time. Yeah, that's just right out of the gate. Like, this is a whole different thing we got here. Yeah, a few <laughs> extra octaves up. That was, that was one of the better, did they ever play that live a lot? 
Because it seems and like it have a good live energy. They probably did back in the early days, I'm sure. I mean, I guess it, it, was, it was the up. album opener. So. I don't know. It seems like I've seems like I saw something somewhere. It might have been on that classic albums thing a while back when I watched it. That this might be one of the songs that they. No, play, it's it's strange how played, yeah. it's strange how some songs are like that with yeah. bands. You know, they're like <clears throat> that's like a natural song to play live. It's got so much energy. Yeah, you think it would be? I don't know. You never know. <laughs> could be. A, there's a number. It could be any number of things. It could be the syncopation with the drums. It could be the. You know, drummers are weird. Sometimes drummers are like, I can't play that, man. It's like, you can't count to four? What's wrong with you? <laughs> That's your job, is to count to four. It's all you need to know how to do. They get messed up about three and a half. It's like, don't throw don't throw backing vocals into it. You're going to fuck it all up. Just leave that alone. Count to four and do what you do best. That is kind of strange they wouldn't have played that song a lot, because it sounds like it would be a kick-ass opener, like a show opener. Maybe they particularly did. if they could have gotten the precision and the because I mean that's a very technical song, yeah, especially um, that beginning part and even the middle. I mean, as far as the tempo of it and the melody of it and everything, I mean, I you would think it'd be like right up there with Ace as high as an opener. You yeah, know what I mean, it's yeah. got the feel, but I don't know. I mean, it, I kind of. I don't know. It it definitely has that opener. It's got a Maiden opener feel to it. Maiden has a very specific opening song vibe, and that song has it. But it, it yeah. It's not a soft vibe either. Yeah. Or a soft <laughs> intro. Don't know what it is. Uh, all right. I've got an unpopular opinion coming. I bet I might agree with you, so... Uh, Stand by, Matt might have an unpopular opinion that actually matches Adams. I don't know. This Stay is just tuned. this is just me being nitpicky here. I better know what you're gonna say. What? Go ahead and say it. I think the track listing could have been a little different. Thank you. I agree. <laughs> I think Children of the Damned should have been after twenty two Acacia Avenue. Yeah, it should not have been number two. It was more like a track four. It would have been good at track no, four. No, because if you listen to 22 Acacia Avenue, the way that song ends would have been the perfect yeah. segue into Children of the Damned. That's just my opinion. Yeah. But you, you have Invaders, full throttle, and then you have a kind of a quiet... Yeah. It, it, it slowed down yeah. too much. It kind of lost the And intensity. then back into The Prisoner, you know what I mean? And it, I'm not... Children of the Damned is a freaking brilliant song. It's one of their best songs ever. But you know what, though, dude? I agree because I was listening to it yesterday and I had that Castle re-release version from 95. And I heard Children of the Damned is track two. And I thought, wait a minute. That that doesn't... We've listened to enough metal albums collectively to know that that's not a number two track. A number two track is still kind of in motion. Yeah. Yeah. still yeah. got energy. And that's got like a middle of the album, maybe yeah. get ready to flip a side vibe to it. It's a killer song and it builds, but it's like out of the gate. It'd be like putting Hell Be Thy Name as the second track. What's no. weird is to me, it seems like the second side should really be the first side. Kind of. Yeah. You know, the yeah. energy. Yeah, of this. I can see that. Yeah. Starting out with the title track and then Run of the Hills and Gangland. Yeah, I wonder how much Hallowed. they really knew about it. I mean, we can listen to it now through the lens of time and realize that we know how we like Adam albums to be tracked. And so we kind of feel like, like Adam was saying, you know, this sounds maybe better in the number four slot and put this one in the number six, because thinking about it, 
I was thinking the same thing yesterday. I thought, you know, the prisoner maybe should have come after invaders. No, it should have. Because I think, like I said, the way Acacia ends would have been the perfect segue into children, and then that would have been the end of side one. And then a perfect segue into side two and Number of the Beast. Right. It's just my opinion. But I don't know. It's it's our our popular opinion today. New segment, y'all. This is Matt and Adam's combined unpopular opinion that happens to be popular. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. Thanks, Sam. No problem, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then you have uh, the prisoner with the uh, the iconic opening. We want information. You have the internet. Go find your own fucking information. 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 Who are you? I'm the saying. new number two. Who is number one? That's P. You are number six. That's diarrhea. I am not a number. I am a free man. That's a wake up. <laughs> I just love that drum sound. Uh, yeah. Always. Cars had that, that like crunching in the snow and stake sound to me. And that sounds weird. creative ceiling with Deano, I think. I mean, I think Bruce was like the beginning of taking the Deano bubble and expanding it. And that's proof of it right there. I mean, yeah. That, yeah, I always love that song. Me too. I like the way it kind of opened up, like just the vibe of it, and even like that really the super melodic solo. Because that's one of the things I always loved about Iron Maiden was like the melody, especially like the twin guitars and stuff, but I mean, the solo on that track is just fucking awesome. Well, they, you know, like I always say, I'm a, I'm a Maiden fanboy, but their their solos are always so awesome. I just, I get tired of, especially a lot of the new age of guitar solos. It's like, they're just running scales. Like, how fast can I play a scale? Yeah, right. throw, throw some melody in there. Yeah, I mean, it's like, create something out of it. Just don't run a scale. 
Yeah. It just gets boring to me. Because I'm a rhythm yeah. guitar player, too, so leads kind of just float over my head sometimes. I don't even pay attention to them. But, oh, but How can you not pay attention to those guys? Yeah, yeah. Shredding and noodling is one thing, but, I mean, melody is something totally different, especially when it's like... Because it kind of changes the entire dynamic of the song. When that solo part kicks in and it's just by itself and then right. it changes and yep. it's like... kind of even has like that... Uh, kind of alluding into like the peace of mind stuff. Yeah. I just... I always love their... Well, the solo's coming up now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, turn it up, man. Is that Freedom Rock? It is Freedom Rock. Freedom Rock. Dave's kind of always had a little bit more free, uh, what was I trying to say here? I always thought he was kind of more of the bluesier player. Yeah, his, he's got a warmer lead tone than Adrian, for sure. He has more of like fluid kind of sound, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Well, I thought Adrian yeah. always had more of kind of a... Calculated. Kind of, maybe even more like a bluesy-ish more sound, and then Adrian's sound is kind of more... Smooth, like a different vibe, maybe. Yeah, I just think Adrian's sound. It's like Adrian sits down and really plans his solos out. It sounds kind of like Dave just just kind of rolls with it. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes, yeah, the feels there. I, mean, I know what you mean. And then you got the new stuff with Janik, and his stuff sounds like it's about to fly off the rails at any time. <laughs> I mean, the dude's just—he's wild, man. Yeah, weedly, weedly, <laughs> weedly, 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 with his freaking deer prancing and all that stuff. The prancing deer. We got different deers here drinking different beers here. And then of course you've got the twenty two. That was, that song is awesome. Acacia Avenue. Part of the uh Charlotte the Harlot series. I was gonna say, how much longer did that series go on beyond this one? Or was that it? I can't remember. Cause it seems like I guess that started with Charlotte the Harlot, which was the Diano stuff, and of course I'm guessing this was probably like a leftover or maybe they thought, you know, let's capture a chapter that way. Sometimes I like when bands do that, like when they throw something yeah. out there and it's kind of like a, oh, wait, this one goes back and refers to this one. Uh, apparently Charlotte is an upper-class hooker who is very ignorant. No, I didn't realize uh, From Here to Eternity was part of that. Was it? It's the uh, well, fourth installment. The fourth? Wait, so which was the third? So... We have Charlotte the Harlot, we have 22, Keisha Avenue, From Here to Eternity is part of it. No, that's a Dave Murray song. I feel like there's one missing. Hooks in You? Really? What's that Evidently. That's on No Prayer for the Dying. Yeah. 
All right, so you got Charlotte the Harlot, 22 Acacia Avenue, hooks in you, and from here to eternity. So okay. I'm learning stuff on the fly. All right. That's nice. a, that's a <coughs> <coughs> Shout out. Pardon him. He's just dying. It don't make no difference. <coughs> there we go. Speak to me, Emma Smith. If you're feeling down, depressed and lonely. Did you say Aerosmith? Hammersmith. <laughs> Yo, man, Go. seriously, that's not cool. Suggested for inflation, that's like five thousand dollars, man. You ready yet? You can't tell her. Save that 50 quid. Yeah. Oh, I thought he said 15. <laughs> 15. It's like, that's cheap even for 1982, isn't it? <laughs> no, just for inflation, that's about $483. Whatever you say. I'm I don't... just guessing. I don't know. Soft <laughs> intro. Uh, I don't care. My world currency uh, inflation converter is offline <laughs> at the moment. So. Yeah, it goes offline on the weekends. But yeah, that's a classic song. Big time. Oh, kind of yeah. went in the in the middle part there. Yeah, it? that probably should have gone earlier. That would have been like a killer. That would have been a killer number two track. No. You think? Or you no, think that no. would have been too much as a number two track? I think Invaders, Prisoner, 22 Acacia Avenue, and then Children of the Dam. Yeah. And then Side 2, as is. 22. I would say 22 does have that energy that it could be like a good track two song. Yeah, but it's, it's a little bit long for a track two song. Just my Oh, opinion. shit. Yeah, I guess it is. Six minutes. Yeah, 634. I guess it is a bit elongated. <laughs> Sorry. That's what she said. Different, different words now. Different words. <laughs> Use your words, man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that ends up. Side, you know, back in the old days, that was side one. Yeah, the cassette and the album. And then you had to uh, flip sides. And then came the devil. Woe to you of earth and sea, for the devil brings the beast with wrath. Because he knows the time is short. <laughs> Do what? In other words, shut up, man. You have understanding, reckon the number of the beast. For it is a human number. Its number is 666. I left alone. My mind was blank. I needed time to think to get the memories from my mind. What did I see? What I saw that night was real and not just fantasy. 
Dated Tom Araya, right? Yeah. That was some serious pipage, though. I mean, he held that thing out, but there's a, um, I think we might have a link to it, or we'll have one on the website, but there's a, a classic album series, I think, for VH1, where they were talking about this album. And apparently, uh, Bruce Dickinson had to repeat like the first four lines like eight million times, and finally he just lost his shit and just screamed. And that was the scream they captured. He was asked to do that scream, but yeah, he held it longer than Tom Raya. If there was a scream Olympics, I think Tom would have taken home the silver, and Bruce would have taken home the gold. Am I right? I think he still takes home the gold. Fuck it, yeah. Bruce still takes home the gold. We saw All I know is, uh, is that there's a lot of contenders for that one. Yeah, right. All I know is it's. I mean, even as strong as all the songs are on this album and all of their albums for the most part this has still got to be like the top end of like the best songs that they've ever written you know yeah I mean uh, that anybody's ever written really yeah oh, but those, in the metal world they were just magic I mean that album is one of those I mean there's a handful of really kick-ass metal albums that are just magic Remember the Beast is one of those albums it's just a fucking magic album yeah and there's, some, there's nothing else I mean and there's some other kick-ass Maiden albums but there's nothing else that's anything like Number of the Beast I think it's the power of Satan <laughs> that, or, that's gotta be it as you would say it's their Master of Puppets the Master of Puppets of Iron Maiden I don't know is that reasonable <laughs> I think it's more like the Back in Black of Iron Maiden it's the Back in Black of Iron uh, Maiden it's the Back in Black I don't know is that even a good I mean I'm not slagging either or putting one down over the other but no, it's it's kind of the quintessential album, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's just like for the band in a metal in a metal person's catalog. This should be in that catalog. Even whatever you know, casual Iron Maiden fan, or even maybe people that don't even really know who they are, probably at least heard of the album. You know yeah. What I mean? Yeah. In one way, shape, or form, somehow or another. Yeah. And if they remember the '80s, I'm sure they remember "Remember the Beast" and the PMRC and all that stuff, and the Devil and Satan. Rent to the Hills. <laughs> which I called "Run to the Hill." <laughs> run to the hill, people. Hey man, sometimes run to the you hill. gotta run to the hill. There's just, just one, <laughs> just one hill. No, not hizzles. <laughs> Yo, man, run to the hizzles. We gotta get the jits up. There. Yo, man, the Indians on top of the hizzles, bro. Yo, the hizzles in Gangland. You ever been there? Shit's badass, man. Y'all be at the hizzles. We'll run there. So yeah, I got to run all the way from Twenty Two Case Avenue, man. It's a bitch. I run all the time. So as, the as awesome as Number of the Beast is, then they go right into run to the hizzles. Run to the run to the hizzles. I mean. <laughs> Kind of another quintessential Iron Maiden song. I mean, ironically, they're a quintessential closer, right? Yeah, they closed up with that the other night, I think. Yep, the Atlanta show. Classic. 
classic good stuff there. Did we determine if that was their first video or if no, Under the Beast no, no. was? No, it was off the first album. Oh, was it? Yeah. But you know they got some definite play because that was like around the same time, I think, uh, or shortly after MTV came out. Yeah, it yeah, was, was. I think it was like the 19th or 16th video yeah, on so MTV it was early. or something. It was fucking early, yeah. Uh, uh, was Iron Maiden Iron Maiden? Yeah, oh, it was like okay. a it black was, cider. Right. <laughs> I made, I made, I made. Um, I think it was, it was kind of like a live. Cause I remember every time they'd have like shot. a new video. Cause back then it was like, put out a fucking video and the videos, a lot of them were so shitty. Cause the demand was just like, this is new. Put out more videos. Yeah. So some of the videos were different, but Maiden's videos were always, they were performance videos, but they had a certain intellectual element to them. And a sense of humor too, I thought. Yeah. Which was cool. I mean, I don't think they were kidding about the number of the beast part, but I mean, everything else, yeah. You know, the whores and gangsters and you know, being executed. They were, you know, they were kidding about that, but the, not not the Satan part. What are you talking about? <laughs> Track listings. <laughs> I know you got the flims, man, but damn, man. I'm sorry. I think it's infiltrated. It's earwormed my brain. <laughs> It's so here warmed my immune system. You got phlegm between your synapses. The <laughs> What's the phlegms, man? It's like the SARS, but mucusier. Is that a word? It is now mucusier. Yeah. So you go uh, run to the hills into uh, a little bit different kind of intro for Iron Maiden. Yeah. I think at the time and probably even now. from this swinging kind of rhythm into that the driving thing yeah the driving yeah. rhythm there it's I think this would be a great band, a great cover for a band to do, like now. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a Maiden song that people don't really think about. Well, the Dream Theater cover, of course. To be fair, Dream Theater covers whole album. Dream Theater, man, Jesus. Well, I mean, you got to admit their cover of Gangland is pretty badass, even though it's totally different. Were you talking about like another band doing like a Maiden Eyes version no, just, of that song? Yeah, I mean, just like going to see a local band, you know, go to a bar or whatever. See a local metal band break I'd out. I'd be stoked to see that because yeah, you know be cool. it's one of those songs. You know, it's made a deep you, cut. You, you expect Obscure. somebody to do yeah one of the more known songs. Yeah, it's right definitely a deep cut. Yeah, number the yeah, band. Yeah, yeah, break out with Gangland. I'd I'd, I'd, I'd I'd be up there going fuck yeah. I'd man. be impressed as fuck because that I mean it's a cool tune. It's definitely a deeper cut, but it's kind of like yeah, who the fuck plays Gangland? Because everybody's probably played. The stuff we know, you know, Run to the Hills or Number of the Beast, or they've attempted to play it. But Gangland, to me, that I kind of dig that when a band plays like a super obscure song by like a pretty popular band or yeah. a popular album because oh, yeah. it's kind of like 
sometimes those songs are the best songs. They're kind of hidden, and you don't think about it, but they're like gems. Right. You start up our own radio station called Deep Cut Radio. Deep Cut Radio. We can have Sam Elliott do our spots. Hey, this is Sam Elliott doing a shot for Deep Cut Radio. So you're doing a shot? We got Bill, Adam, and Matt, WBAM, BAM Radio, (laughs) 99.9. You sounded real fired up there. You think? BAM. I thought of a better one like, uh, hello, this is Sam Elliott. You're listening to WHAW. We got Hodges, Aiken, and Wheeler. W Hall Radio <laughs> 99.9. Hall or Wah. Wah. You're listening to Wah. Wah Radio. Wah. Sorry, I know we're talking over Gangland and how awesome Gangland is as a song, and it's like you're a dick for talking over it, man. Sorry. Yeah, it's just how we roll. We like to uh, run our mouths. So, uh, I had a moment, but Gangland would be a badass. If, if you metal bands are out there, do a cover of Gangland and we'll be impressed. But it's got to be an impressive cover. Absolutamente. So what you play it, we will listen. So, yeah. And then to uh, kind of put the period on the the whole thing, you have longest track on the album, Hallowed Be Thy Name. Wow, 708. Yeah, Maiden always had that extra progressive element. I think maybe that, you think that might have been kind of one of the beginning strains of like progressive metal? In a way. Yeah, I mean, I think they probably had some impact on it. Because, I mean, they were as badass. I mean. That's what I'm saying. Like, as, you know, as badass as Priest was and other bands like that, Maiden had a little bit more complex song structures. They definitely, to me, kind of embrace that progressive vibe. I think that's kind of maybe, I would call them one of the beginners or founders kind of of that, moving in that direction. The Nawabim style probably did it too, but. It's my perception. It does have kind of that dark, foreboding, creepy beginning to it. I wonder how many times Martin Birch made him do that part. Yeah. (laughs) Hold it, Bruce. There, come on, Bruce. Right. Come higher, on, buddy. higher, higher. Come on, clutch your balls. Come on, let's do it. What is it? No, man, running high. There you go. Now I'll keep going. Go. All right, take a breather. You have 20 seconds. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> when the praise comes to read me the last night, take a look to the bowels of the last sights. I'm a wall that was gone for your own for me. Can it be that the sun sort of air up? You know, right there. Surmounting terror. Is it really the end, not some crazy? Something stickled his 12-year-old girl fancy. <laughs> <laughs> What is problem? Pray tell. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? I think I misheard the lyrics that he said. It's like he said, look to the balls for the last rites or something. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? 
I think I misheard it, but it was like so like you, he said, look to the balls. I don't know. Where's your mind? Man? I don't know, man. It's in the gutter. Kind of uh, like my bowling game. Evidently. <laughs> Sorry, this is what happens when you do NyQuil too much. <laughs> that was a great song for sure. Yeah, I don't think I really got the subject matter until I started looking at the lyrics, and I was like, man, that's kind of a... I mean, back then, I mean, even now, I mean, in metal, you know, darkness is not necessarily a new thing, but that song's kind of got that darker sort of... Yeah, well, this is it. Yeah, you're going to your death. What's your famous song you want to hear? I want to listen to Iron Maiden. We got the perfect song for that. And it'll be thy name. Yeah. I, uh, w dot D I E Die Radio. The volume knob here is a little touchy. <laughs> volume knob. <laughs> touchy volume. Yeah, so anyway, uh, I'm sure most of you have probably owned this and listened to it a million times, but if you haven't heard it in a while, go back, dig it out. You have no excuse. There's the YouTubes. There's places to download it. There's even still some places I hear that sell CDs online. Although I think that's a dying technology. Inspired by a nightmare Steve Harris had. Really? Oh, I guess one thing we forgot. The, oh, uh, he's watching the film Damien. That don't freak you out. I mean, two. That was a creepy movie. Yeah, the re-release had that song, uh, Total Eclipse. Oh, yeah. Of the Heart? Wait, different song. Yeah, that one. <laughs> uh, evidently, they had written too much material. So they had to choose something to drop, I guess. I guess it was between Total Eclipse, Gangland, and Run to the Hills. Well, they sure as hell couldn't have dropped Run to the Hills. I mean, obviously, we say that now, but back then, they were probably like, well, which one, man? I kind of wonder why maybe you think they kept gangwaying because of the uniqueness of it. Like from what I've heard of that Total Eclipse song, it's a cool tune, but like we were like saying before, I don't know if it fits the. Looks like Steve Harris liked it better than than Gangway. Really? Yeah, and what we were talking about earlier, evidently uh, he didn't think Invaders was a good song. <laughs> really? Yeah, kind of weird. Interesting. I remember growing up thinking it was my least favorite. Just the enlightened. And I think I, I, I think I've said it before. I just it never really caught me. But yeah, you know, the more I listen to it now, I, I can appreciate it. Yeah, it always. I guess, like I said earlier, just you could like almost be a Judas Priest song in yeah. a way. I mean, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So. Yeah, it would have a good feel for a Judas Priest version of that. I could hear it. Maybe a little more technical than Priest, though. Or are you talking about like Rob Halford singing over like Maiden playing it? Now that would be cool. Uh, according uh, to Bruce Dickinson, they originally uh, tried to get Vincent Price to do the opening for uh, Number of the Beast. 25,000 euros. Wow. Said, no, we ain't paying you that much. <laughs> for some reason. So he didn't do it? So who did it on the album? Is that the uh, Barry Clayton? Yeah, Barry Clayton. Because it sounds, that was a very Vincent a Price, like Vincent uh, Price. Yeah. edge to it. It's got a different. It's very Vincent Pricey. Ha! <laughs> See what I did there? 
Thank you. Evidently, Vincent was a little too pricey. Yeah, twenty-five grand to read that, you egomaniac! Shut up. <laughs> do it because you love the metal. Do it for free because you love metal, Vincent, and the dark side. You have the power of Satan. But no, nah, I want twenty-five thousand well, quid so I, I can know. afford Charlotte. Where was Where was Vincent Price's career in nineteen eighty-two? He might have needed the money, but yeah, he could have said fifteen, maybe, I maybe. Don't know. I don't know. Might have been worth ten. <laughs> Better yet, no. To be fair, it would have been worth six thousand six hundred and sixty-six dollars and sixty-six cents. That's how much they should have paid Vincent Price to read it on Number of the Beast. That would have been perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and metal as fuck. Let's be honest. Metal as folk. Metal as folk. All right. Well, I don't know. About time to get out of here, gents. It has yeah. been the Iron Maiden album dive. A good one, for number sure. of the beast, classic, very classic. Hey guys, this is Sam Elliott. Let and thank y'all for letting me uh, hang out and join y'all. It's been kind of cool. I'm gonna tell my friends about this. Oh ah, well, yeah. Thanks for being here. A little bit different having a you know well-known yeah. actor in the in the house. Hey, anytime, man. You know, maybe next week I might sound better. I'll be on back out down the road. So. How'd he go hanging out with Millie on the couch? You, you like that guy? Or? Uh, he's all right. He keeps to himself. Man, that pasta's fucking unreal. I got to tell my friends about that. You know, y'all need to go check out Millie's. Uh, he's got a new pasta business called Creator Own Pasta. It's pretty good. Uh, uh, there's a he's got a new shop opening down there near the Red Lobster, so he can tour and cook at the same time. <laughs> so he's he's pretty excited about it. But but yeah, it's been cool hanging out with Millie. I know he's been quiet today, but. He's a good dude. Maybe, maybe he's a little intimidated by you. No, nah, I don't know, man. Maybe it's the mustache. Maybe it's the voice. But it don't matter. Anyway, I hope y'all enjoyed this. I sure did. It was Metal Nerdery Podcast you were listening to, folks. Thanks and nerd out. Later. Nerd out. Hey, this is Matt from Metal Nerdery. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Like us. Share us with a friend. We are at Metal Nerdery Podcast. That is at Metal Nerdery Podcast. You can follow along with the show on metalnerdery.com slash episodes. Nerd out.